1: Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant Podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Linfoot, and I am here today with a multiple business owner, property investor, it's the one and only Alan Harding. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me on.
1: <laughs> it's great. And we're face-to-face.
0: Yeah, I know. It's great. So get back to face-to-face things.
1: Exactly. And Alan, you've driven all the way down here to Mumbles, to where yeah. we've recently um, moved. So it's brilliant. You're our, you're our second guest. Oh, there we go. After me mother.
0: Feel privileged. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, and of course, you've got your own podcast, which is launching soon. So we're going to talk all yeah. about that. Um, and uh, actually, I'm going to be interviewed by you, you as are, well. yeah, when we finish there. <laughs> so that's really good. Um, but before we get into that, I yeah. think it'll be great just to take us through your journey a little bit, where life yeah. started for you, what you're up to, and then we're just going to have a good old chat.
0: Yeah, lovely. Sounds Good. Good. So uh, yeah, life started in Wiltshire. So um, my parents both grew up there and still live. I mean, in the se- only in the second house we ever moved into. So they've been there. Well, if I'm forty, they've been there thirty six years. So still, still there. Um, yeah, kind of went through school locally. Um, didn't really get on very well at school. Uh, primary school was all right, but secondary school uh, I was bullied quite substantially sort of through the middle part mm. so it really took my focus off sort of my academic education if you like um and just really gave me this thing that I just didn't want to be there yeah um from the background mum was working in a bank part-time where she'd gone back to just as a cashier uh when me and my sister were old enough so she'd sort of taken the first six seven years off of work to have kids and dad was a carpenter so it wasn't wasn't like there was a lot of money and they could send me to private school or move that situation around. So Mm. we sort of struggled for a few years because I was in a place where I wasn't very happy. um, And that then caused clashes at home, as you can imagine, because I was rebelling against them as well. Um, So the first opportunity at 16, I left and went to college Mm. um, and decided to study IT. Uh, But just to get out of that secondary school environment. um, And then, yeah, things were completely different at college. And I sort of really enjoyed it again. Uh, and spent two years studying for BTEC, which is the same as taking your A-levels. And then came out and went straight into the world of work. So I skipped university. Um, I decided that probably for how I'd struggled at secondary school through the bullying and things like that, probably wasn't the right path for me. And I couldn't really face sort of three years of looking at books anymore. So I went out and yeah, started my corporate career really. Um, So again, started working for a local IT company. Uh, just working, doing support and educating myself in—you know—although you've done two years at college, the, the academic teachings of IT were so far behind what was happening in the real world right. that when you get out there, you're sort of starting again, really. Anyway, so yeah, you, you build on that. Um, I moved around a few jobs locally. Uh, went to work for names like Orange in Bristol when they were—you know—before they were bought by EE. Um, and then from there went on to London, mm. um, went through law firms, hedge funds, had quite an interesting city career following that. Um, fast forward to where we are today, so I have my own IT consultancy, which is still my main focus um, still brings in all the money that we want to do everything else with, um, so still have to get up and work on a daily basis. Um, But yeah, sort of from that, we've then got several property companies. So I've built up pre-section 21, I've built up a load of property in my own name. Um, So I've still got that. We've then got a company that houses our newer buy-to-let since the tax changes came in, and we had to move away from that. Got a company with our HMOs in, so our shared houses. Um, and we've got a company just building 15 new houses.
1: Wow. As well. My God. So, there's so much in it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Where do I start? Where do I start? Well, I, I guess I want to go back a little bit. So, you were talking yeah. about school yeah. and just how that wasn't really a happy place for you for, yeah. for various reasons. And when you look back at that, did that really... Destroy your confidence. I mean, at the time, I assume, I'm assuming it was pretty horrific. Yeah. But how did that impact you? Do you think, sort of, going forward as you became a you know a young adult and then obviously getting into the world of business, did it impact you or did you just leave it behind and it was kind of done and finished?
0: no it did quite heavily impact me going forward so uh, part of the bullying was around my sexuality and I was mm-hmm. gay it's the late 90s yeah. so it's still not it it still wasn't as accepted as it is today yeah. things have moved on a lot more but you know it's it's still out there um but that then meant when I went to work I hid my sexuality at work so I didn't right. talk about it I wasn't you know I don't go dancing around the office in heels and a pink dress but uh, if somebody asked me directly I'd never lie about it. Mm. But I yeah, I went through this quite a long period of my career where I just didn't tell anybody or you know just didn't didn't discuss it at work really. Um, now it's completely different and I'm very open about how things are. Mm. But yeah, I guess even te- even 10 years ago I probably wouldn't have been comfortable yeah. talking about it as such.
1: I mean it, I mean thank God the world has moved on. Yeah. But you know there is still I mean there is still, you know, unbelievable bias and prejudice yeah. and people judge and all the rest of it and you know i think it's i think you know it's great that you're in a loving relationship getting yeah. married yeah. as getting well married this year. yeah yeah so the wonderful chris and but yeah i i, I it must have been difficult actually in corporate yeah. life as well and and just sort of i suppose thinking do i need to hide this side of myself in order to progress my career because otherwise maybe it's going to hold me back which yeah. is crazy isn't it but i guess that must have been part of it at the time yeah
0: that was a huge part of it and yeah. i think uh, It was very much when I was working for a hedge fund in the city, very much male dominated IT world as well. And that's where it was really clear. It was sort of this almost like being in the military, very regimented, very hard. You're working hard, playing harder. But it was like, yeah, I don't feel necessarily comfortable discussing it with those people at that time. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of them know now because I'm still friends with a lot of those people. But yeah, I think at the time when you're in that situation, you're just like, I'm just going to keep it to myself and not actually... Be open, like completely open about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was there a moment, uh, or, or uh, where you sort of went, actually, no, I, am I'm, I'm not presenting, you know, the full version of myself to the world, and therefore, I am going to sort of make that shift. Was there, a, was there a pivotal moment, or was it just sort of a creeping thing over time? Yeah, it's crept over
0: time. Yeah, definitely no, like um, wake up revolutionary moment around it. It's just as I felt more comfortable in myself the last couple of years, I've been able to just express that when I speak to the people that Maybe didn't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it shouldn't be relevant, should it? No, actually, you know. No. I mean, sometimes it's like we talk about women in the boardroom, and women in business, and it drives me crackers because I'm yeah. like going, "Are we really still talking about gender diversity? Yeah. Come on, guys, this yeah. is 2022." Yeah, you know. But um, but unfortunately, there is still there is still more to go. I think in yeah. terms of diversity and inclusion, isn't there? Yeah. But um, well, listen. I mean, you've had a, a stellar career. Yeah. Um, you really have and and what i'm really interested in is you deciding to get into property because you had a really good successful and well rewarded corporate life yeah what was it that made you jump into property in the first place because i think a lot of people listening will be thinking oh well you know hanging you know how do i even start what was the motivation so yeah. maybe just talk a little bit about that alan if you don't mind
0: yeah of course so from a, from a sort of late teens 18 19 age i Kind of was looking at the world and reading the news and following various financial publications, and just it became very apparent to me even then, which is 20 years ago. Things like the state pension and the increases they were giving aren't sustainable for the population that we've got. People are living longer, people are working less, people aren't paying as much tax. Mm -hmm. So that burden was always going to be there. And when you actually start looking at what that state pension payment looks like, I'm like, do you really want to get to 65 and be going? i get 300 quid a month yeah you know that doesn't in this day and age i won't even pay your electric bill let alone you know (laughs) actually provide a life for you to live once you retire so it was very much i need to do something about this um so i knew one of the best ways and from where i was working would be to invest in property Mm. um so that transpired that at that point i then went and bought my own house. Uh, to live in first so that was 2004 so I was 22 Mm. saved up bought my own house then I sort of started looking at the rental side what opportunities were out there what could what could I do Um, so I lived in that house for two years and then moved into a bigger house in the next town um, but kept that original house mm. and rented it out. Yeah. So I still have that. It's still rented. You know, I've had it now for eighteen years, and it's been rented out for sixteen of those. Yeah. So that's where that started, um, and then over time, I literally worked and saved. Saved up the deposits, went and bought another one. Mm. Saved up a deposit, went and bought another one, you know. But all that money at the time, because I was working, coming in from those rentals is all just getting reinvested. Mm. So rather than, you know, back then, rather than blowing on big expensive cars, lots of holidays, it was very much, we need to keep growing this. We need to keep growing. Yeah. Um, Obviously, with the tax changes that came about and the interest rate relief that got taken away from landlords in your own name, we moved everything into limited companies. So now everything we've built is in companies. But again, everything just gets reinvested. Yeah. So we don't really draw anything out of the property companies.
1: Yeah. So so you're continuing to grow. But essentially, it is passive income. Yeah especially buy-to-lets. Yeah, I mean, standard buy-to-lets.
0: I think everybody should have them as their bread and butter because you can almost set it and forget it, as people say. And if you get a good letting agent, you know, the one we use is brilliant. I, I, I rarely hear... Of any issues with those properties, yeah, so yeah, it's really good.
1: And it is, you know, when you're first getting going, it's harder, isn't it? Because yes. it's like anything. It's I often think it's like you know you're trying to sort of push a big boulder, and you yeah. know, and it's sort of you can't move it, and then all of a sudden it moves an inch, and then yeah. you get momentum. And and I think it's very much like that with properties. So anyone yeah. that's sort of thinking, oh my god, you know, it's all a bit scary, you know, really, literally one deal at a time. Yeah. I, I think is is the best advice for people. Don't get overwhelmed by everything yeah. that you can do. Yeah, um, absolutely. You talked then about, I just want to pick up on this, you talked about um, the changes in tax and, and yeah. it is important to understand this stuff because yeah. you can lose a lot of money. You know, it's not yeah. all plain sailing in property and we'll talk about some of that in <laughs> <Yeah>. a minute. <laughs> yeah. um, but you actually physically moved the properties from out of your own name into the company or into no. another, or you left the ones that yeah. were there? Yeah.
0: So I went to right. the accountant um, and when we looked through it or we decided it was actually going to be... by having to pay the stamp duty and capital gains from selling them to the company, it wasn't worth it. That's
1: why I wanted to double check. Yeah, yeah. so
0: no. So I literally kept that in my name and yeah. still have all of those in my name today. Yeah. And then just everything from that point forward, we've yeah. bought into a company.
1: Yeah, which is exactly what we've done because we, yeah. we're the same. We've got properties in our own name. We just kind of leave them. From a cash flow point of view, it's not great, but they just, but equity grows nice. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. And anything new has always gone into the limited yeah. company, but it's really important to get the right people around yeah. you to advise you, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can pay for bad advice, but good advice is worth every penny.
1: Definitely, definitely. Let's talk a little bit about mentoring. Yeah. Because I know you were mentored, um, yeah. and still are to a certain degree, by Rob Moore and Mark Homer, yeah. who also mentor Chris and I. So anyone that doesn't know, um, Mark Homer and Rob Moore, they have a massive portfolio of their own yeah. properties in excess of, I think, 800-ish, something like that. Maybe probably yeah. near like 1,000 now. Probably. Um, and they also have the largest property education business in the UK. So yeah. they're great guys um and but it, but it's expensive right to to yes. actually be mentored by them but the value you get i mean certainly for chris and i we've really excelled yeah. you know we've more than had all our money back yeah. and and some you yeah, know definitely. and a lot more but talk about that about the impacts of either working with those guys or having other people around you that have sort of allowed you to step up really
0: yeah i think I think it's from a, a sort of psychological place and it is your own head and building that confidence. Mm-hmm. And having having somebody there that's, you know, you can either go and see or you can talk to, or even just drop an email to if you've got a question that's going to respond because they know more than you yeah. has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, as you say, sort of having more people around me that are in property, that understand it, that that actually get what's going on in the world. Um, has been really beneficial because you know I think we'd agree that the people we've got around us now will celebrate everything with you they're not they're not sat on the sidelines watching sort of being negative about things and I think that's where mentors and people around you are they're there to support you they're there to help you make use of that but they're the ones that are going to be celebrating your successes with you
1: yeah well. yeah and, and i mean let's let's face it you, you're being very humble as you describe your property portfolio but it is extensive and it is big yeah. now isn't it
0: yeah so we've got just over seven million pounds worth of property which is yeah
1: it, it's Amazing. a lot
0: yeah uh, but that has its own challenges that come with it obviously as you get bigger but i think again it's now if you're getting into property years ago you could probably get three buy let's and make enough money to live quite a good life. Yeah, You can't now. Mm. You need to really be considerate going, yes, it's hard to start. Once you get started, it's great, but you've got to go big. You've yeah. really got to be looking at going to, you know, 30, 40, 50 properties, having 100 HMO rooms to really make decent money out of it now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and which is phenomenal. I mean, honestly, you've done so well. And and like you say, you know, you started off life, you know, very normal family yeah. and 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 actually didn't have a great time at school. And here you are now going seven million quid worth of property. Oh, yeah. And you go, oh, yeah. shall I just say it again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, agree. you know, but that just shows that, you know, with the right mindset, with the right, you know, people behind you taking the action, yeah. even though you've had challenges along the way, you've managed to achieve a phenomenal success. You know, it's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And- I think it's that thing about growth. Um, you know, you start with your buy to let's and we had this conversation last month where I said to you, you start getting to the point where a million pounds looks like a hundred grand. Yeah. Like you spend a million pounds like it's a hundred grand. So your your appetite for risk is still there, but your decisions become easier around sort of bigger projects, bigger amounts of money and things like that as you go forward. As yeah.
1: Well. Yeah. And and talk. let's talk about money mindset a little bit because, yeah. you know, your dad was carpenter, yeah. you know, you, you had a very sort of viewing your sister growing up in yeah. Wiltshire, you know, not I, I, just a normal normal family life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just, not, not, no, not an affluent background no. or anything like that. Has your mindset had to shift, not just in terms of the property, but also, you know, you've got a very, very successful portfolio of businesses. Yeah. So how's that evolved over time? Yeah,
0: I think... You know, mum was always good when we were little about teaching us things around finance. She worked in a bank, but Mm. obviously, when she didn't work for those first few years when we were quite young, money was tight. Yeah, and you know, we people. Some people say, "Well, it's all right when you know when you have a silver spoon in your mouth." It's like, but we didn't come from that. No, yeah, everything's taken twenty years of hard work. So I think it, it again, it's it's growth and evolution. You know, you start off small. I had a business. It's fairly straightforward it's money in money out looking at your taxes looking at what's going on and starting to learn and understand all of that and then growing it and using the principles from one across the others as you as you expand them so as those property companies come in yes there's a whole new set of taxes that you need to understand there's that that varies depending on what you're doing and how you're going to do something but you can take that principle from another business that you've had and move it across Mm. but you do you do have to start you know, sort of understanding it, dealing with it, paying for the right people to advise you until you've got it down yourself. How do you read your balance sheet? What does your profit and loss look like? You know, yeah. pretty standard things, but none of this you'll taught at school. Um, and I think as a country we do a disservice to our younger generations because yeah. we teach them complex mathematical equations but they can't work out that if they spend more than they earn they're going to be in debt Yeah, you know yeah. It's, it's literally that simple.
1: Yeah yeah you're absolutely spot on and actually make a really good point about transferable skills yeah. because when you've got multiple things going on multiple like, you know, businesses you're right you know you don't lose all of the you know the 10 years that you've spent no. in one world or, or one business but when you move into something else it does move across with you and I think very often people think they haven't got the knowledge, but actually they know they've got more resources yeah. than they realize, even yeah. if they haven't got sector experience in property or IT or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's a smart thing to realize. I think at the start with, I often say, well, think about all the great things that you bring to the party. Start yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and then you can say, okay, well, where are my gaps that I might need to get a mentor or a coach or do some training and fill yeah. the, fill the gaps where you need to or get other people to do the stuff. Yeah. But people often miss the fact that they already bring a lot to the table, no matter what their age is.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. I think, you know, even... When you talk to people, even if they stayed at home, bought the kids up and they run a household, you've still got a lot of transferable skills Definitely. that can work across several businesses.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. So so with IT then, what is it about mm. IT that you love? Because you're still doing it. You're still doing the, you know, still got your IT business, haven't you? Yeah. All these years.
0: Yeah, so the money. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't lie. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, back when I was younger, I used to love taking computers apart, building them, um, just everything around sort of, that creation of something that then worked really well. Um, And I guess it was just the geeky side of me that really loved technology and where things moved. And i tried to keep up as the technology does move and it moves very quickly, but it's Mm -hmm. things like, I remember buying my first iPod, I remember my first iPhone, you know, and equally I remember the first computer I built at home back when Windows was something completely different. But yeah, it was just that real geeky interest in it. Mm. And yeah, that... Probably what I do on a day-to-day basis now doesn't satisfy that geeky interest, mm. but it provides money for us to do other things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so, it. it's yeah. all about. That's what it's all about. And actually, you've put me totally to shame because you turned up here today with all your bloody fancy kit and <laughs> here's me with my very rudimentary, we'll just record it on the iPhone and I've got Excellent. my Zoom H1Ns. But anyway, there but we works. go. It works. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it should do. It should do. But no, I mean, uh, you know, the other thing I just wanted to think about and talk about was sort of, your your family relationship with your mum and dad now, right? Yeah. Because I'm sure they're super proud yeah, of what absolutely. you've achieved. And, yeah. you know, were your mum and dad surprised how well you've done? Or do you think they always knew that, you know, you were going to really go out into the world and forge a, a way for yourself, given that you'd had that difficult time when you were a kid, really, with the bullying and what have you?
0: Yeah, I think... Probably at the beginning, it was probably a surprise, Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, mum's always been very much a person, if you put your mind to something, you can achieve whatever you want. So, they are, you know, they're they're super proud now. Um, They probably don't know the full extent of everything we've got and what we do, because As a family, we probably don't sit down and, you know, don't sit at the Sunday dinner table and go, well, we now own seven million pounds worth of property and we're doing this and we're doing this. Yeah, so yeah. it is they get an abbreviated version, but they can obviously see that we're working hard and that is generating good results you know with everything that we do
1: yeah and, and let's talk about um sort of life with chris at home a little yeah. bit so you've got a chris i've got a chris yeah um two, two very different chrises i think but yeah. but nonetheless because because obviously so chris is a pt isn't he? yeah and and so in a very different field you know from from what you are yeah um has an interest, but maybe less of an interest, shall we say, in the detail yeah. from what you've described. So how, how does it play out at home then with sort of you, what you've done with the property side, you yeah. with the other businesses and the IT stuff, him with his PT, because that's quite an interesting mix that you've got going on there as a team.
0: Yeah, it's quite hectic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it takes a lot of planning and working things around and working out who's in when, where we're going, what we're doing holidays, you know, because of the way Chris works his diary at the beginning of the year, I could tell you pretty much every week off we're having, we might yeah. not have booked a holiday, but the year is planned out before we start. Yeah. So it yeah, it adds sort of an interesting dynamic to it for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. And and actually you're moving into a phase now where obviously you've got the big scale in the business yeah. now, which, which one, you're in a position to choose a little bit more about how you spend your time. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. Um, how are you processing or going about deciding where where you do spend your time? Where do you create more space for yourself? Because I think very often people sort of feel like they always have to keep going, have to keep going. And actually, sometimes it's good to say, well, no, hang on a minute. We'll take stock. Yeah. And there's a quality to life as well as always pushing on the business side and the money yeah. side. So, and I think you're in an interesting sort of time right now, aren't you, in your life?
0: Yeah, Um, I'm starting to step back from the forefront of everything a little bit and get that time back. Um, I mean, when you're starting out, you need to be hungry, you need to have the energy, you need to be pushing. But I think one of the things, if I did go back, it would be you need to work out what your downtime looks like. Mm. Um, One of the things, again, Rob taught me right at the beginning is diarization. So I use the diary on my iPhone, but it has everything in it. So everything I'm doing is in there. Mm. Um, and it's time boxed. So, you know, I know what time I'm probably going to eat my dinner. But if I do it at the same time every day, it's it's a routine and you just get used to it. You get up at the same time every day. You do the same things every day. Mm. So it takes some planning, and some organisation. And Chris hates me for doing it because he can't do that. Yeah. He really struggles if it's too formalised.
1: Yeah.
0: but. We do that. And then over the course of the week, you see what gaps you've got. I plan in my fitness sessions. I plan in my runs. I know when I've got an hour and a half to do a long run or if I've only got 30 minutes, I've got to do a shorter run. Mm. So you can see all of that. And then Sundays, we've gone back to the rules that we did have uh, before lockdown, before COVID came along, that, you know, Sunday from about two o'clock, we've got a snug. It's snug time. Go and sit and watch a couple of films. Phones are out. You're not allowed your phone in there. No tech. So it's just that, Complete sort of weekly downtime and reset for six seven hours, yeah. where you can really distract yourself and stop thinking about what's going on, yeah. and just get yourself back on track.
1: Yeah, and no, that's really good advice actually, because I, I'm I'm a, I'm like you. I like the organisation, I like the structure, yeah. the discipline, and it's funny because when you jump out of corporate life, and you're still kind of in. Well, the cli- yeah. your clients are in yeah, corporate yeah, world, so therefore, by association, you are to a certain yeah. degree as well. But I think one of the adjustments that, you, that is, is tricky to make is when you know when I was when I was running big travel businesses, I was like, oh my god, you know I've got all this structure around me. So you yeah. crave the freedom, the flexibility yeah. to do your own thing. And then when all of a sudden you leave and you're there, you go, what's well, just me and my phone? Where the hell do I start? And there's almost yes. too much freedom and choice. And yeah, and and to find that discipline and structure, ironically, it does set you free, which sounds yeah. totally counterintuitive, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But as you say, it, you can very quickly see the freedom yeah. from your diary. And if you have it right, you can time box that freedom off. Now, Chris always said to me, but that's not being spontaneous. I'm like, I haven't said what the activity is going to be. Yeah. But I know I've got a four-hour window where we can go and do something. Yes. That's when the spontaneity comes in because you know you've got X amount of time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: it, it does help. Like you say, even those people that don't think it will, it's it will show you. Where you're too busy, where you're not busy enough, where where you can balance things out and create yeah. the life that you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I do actually, because obviously we want to try, you know, one part points of doing this podcast is give people ideas and inspiration yeah. how they can help themselves as well. And one of the things that I do is I include at the end of my day, sort of four to five o'clock normally, and like yeah. what I call a buffer block. Yeah. And that's where I, you know, I clear my emails, I might do a bit of banking, that kind yeah. of admin type stuff. I think about, I reflect on, okay, how's the day gone? What am I going to be doing tomorrow? And it's just yeah. that, that sort of, Chunk of time, only for an hour, but it allows me to close the close that day and start the next day in, yeah. a, in a good way in the morning. Yeah, definitely. and you know, and then I mean, I have like, um, you know, kind of like breakout block. I call it every yeah. fri- every other Friday, where where I, we not a knock off, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, yeah. You know, and as and, and Chris and I do something really nice on yeah. a Friday afternoon. It's not every Friday; it's every other Friday. But I know that's blocked. I don't know yeah. what I'm going to do. No. we might go for a walk, or we might yeah. go for dinner, or whatever. You know, yeah. um but it's there in the diary and it yeah. really helps me actually yeah. definitely yeah yeah, Definitely. so um top tips on organizing. Woo, yeah, yeah, there's loads of them. Keep them coming. Um right, so I want to talk about some of the some of the um some of the the challenges in business, yeah. some of the the things that maybe haven't gone so well or or you yeah. know, because I think very often people will be listening to this and they might be going, Oh, it's all right for Alan with his seven million and yeah. so that's okay. But we know that for, with every success there's also a lot of bumps in the road and things yeah. that haven't gone so well. So do you wanna just just share some of those with us? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, the, the biggest thing that's gone wrong, well, I say gone wrong, that didn't go to as, as plan uh, yeah. was a care home conversion that we bought. So, this was, where are we, 2022? So, 2018. Yeah. Uh, the journey started and a care home came up in an area we were looking at to build a HMO. <laughs> now, I get You know, HMOs have a bad name uh, out in public, generally. And that's because most of the public don't understand them.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Or all they've seen is the horror stories of sort of low affordable HMOs Mm. um, or low affordability. So they're cheap-end, they're not looked after very well, and you get rogue landlords. So everything we've done with the HMOs, we've gone really high-end. We only target, like, young professionals or people that are working. So as a very different what i wasn't expecting when we bought the care home bearing in mind that it had been a 26-bed care home was the challenges we faced both with planning uh yeah. with the neighbors in the area as well um and actually the mental impact that has that has back on us as yeah. such so we bought the care home in 2018 um it completed well we put the offer in and we put planning in in september 2018 Um, Now, again, just top tip, you don't need to own the building to submit the planning. So you can do it before you've actually bought the building, which was where we went. Um, And we managed to get the vendors to wait for six months before we were forced to complete on the purchase. And that allowed us to get most of that planning, or so we thought, get most of the planning sorted. Um, So due to the planning process and some objections from the neighbors um, around the building, that actually extended the planning window quite significantly, which we didn't really see coming. Mm. Um, so when the planning went in, in the September, it was May before it then came to committee. Now, by this point, we've been forced to complete on the purchase because the vendors wanted their money. Yeah. So we'd taken the risk. Um, we'd used some bridging finance, but only about 50% loan to value because nobody really wanted to lend us any more based on the fact it had no planning at that okay. point. Yeah. So in May, it goes to committee, Um, we'd started off going from 26-bed care home to 22-bed all-en-suite HMO, Mm. and the way we designed it was to separate the building into four flats, so I personally wouldn't want to live in a house that's got 22 bedrooms and people can walk anywhere around it, so we were thinking smaller units will separate it up, they can't intermingle between them, Um, and that would sort of give it some longevity around people coming and going. Um, so, yeah, May 19, um, planning got deferred. So no decision was taken and it got deferred. And the ask was that we reduce the scheme in size. Right. So we went back, worked with the architects, worked with the, the planning advisor. Um, And everybody thought it was ridiculous for the size of the building to have to reduce down what we're putting in. Anyway, we went back and put in planning permission for 16 bedrooms. So the four flats were split into four bedroom flats. Mm. Um, We went back to committee, um, which took, I believe it was like September, 2019, by the time we could get back on the committee planning board and go and sit and listen to them. Um, At which point planning actually got rejected So, it was an outright no, um, and the council based it on the impact on the amenities in the local area. Now, when I spoke to a planning advisor after that meeting, he said that was complete rubbish. You know, we'd had a load of assessments done, and we could show that there wasn't going to be an impact on the local community in the area. So, we decided to challenge it and went for uh, an appeal with the planning inspectorate. Yeah. So, the appeal process took about six months. So you can see we're like time is going on all the time and you're paying time, for your bridge and we're paying for the bridge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so it went to appeal where it did actually get rejected, but for completely different reasons than the council had given us. Um, and the planning inspector picked up on the fact that because it's right on the edge of a flood risk zone from the River Trent, uh, the four flats didn't allow anybody that was sleeping on the ground floor an escape path to higher ground if they needed it within the building technicality at this point, um, (laughs) but they completely rejected what the council had said and put statements around why they didn't think it would have an impact on the local amenities. So we could go back to planning at this point, although the inspectorate decision was to reject the original planning. We Mm. changed it and split it into four houses rather than four flats, which then gave every house an internal staircase so they could go upstairs. So you go back to planning, we go back through all the hassle again, people can object, we ended up with over 600 objections from the local community. Um, And then at this point as well, whilst we were waiting for planning, obviously COVID came along. And we go into a, the first lockdown, which um, was quite challenging. Um, you know, tr- trying to deal with a bridging company when your bridge is coming to the end, the planning still hasn't been agreed. We couldn't get anybody to go out and survey it to get, you know, um, a rebridge or to move it. So we had to come to an agreement with the bridging company whilst we were still fighting with the planning side. Mm. It did actually work in our favour in the end. So planning meetings then got moved online as part of COVID because you couldn't hold them face to face. Yeah. So in July 2020, um, it went back to committee, but because the public weren't allowed, the committee had a better chance of actually discussing it because when the public were there, they were very vocal whilst the committee yeah. were trying to discuss it and object against it. And in July, we actually got the planning agreed, um, finally, because mm-hmm. council... Uh, You know, the council claimed it was a smoking gun because they basically couldn't Technically reject it. There was nothing left for them to reject mm. it on, so they had to pass it. Mm. Um, which is one of the interesting things I learned about the planning system. And it's like just because you don't like it, or you know, if it doesn't fit, if it fits with planning policy and doesn't technically break any of the planning rules, they can't actually reject it. Right. So it's something to remember when you're looking at it. Yeah. And um, fast forward eighteen months, we spent a year building it, and we've now got a beautiful eighteen-bed HMO. That's awfully let yeah. <laughs> after three years, yeah, it's um it, it was certainly an experience, and where you know for what effectively was my first big project, my first big chunk of money I'd spent, yeah. it didn't go the way we wanted it to. I mean, in the background, you know, I completed another 15 bed HMO, which is in the listed building, which sailed through and was really easy to deal yeah. with. Yeah, you know, there's there's always challenges coming up from the other one.
1: And what was the total investment, if you don't mind covering that, Alan? All in. so
0: all in over the three years, and to get it fully furnished and everything at the end, we spent one point one million.
1: Yeah, it's a big number, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, could could that have broken you if it had all gone really against you? Could could it? Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. there are. I can remember there are nights sat there staring at bills coming in. And even though I've got money coming in from other businesses, it was just getting drained rapidly. Yeah. Um, and there were nights where I sat there and thought, this is it, we're going bankrupt. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really to the point where I'm sat on bills with people phoning up wanting them paid and there's no money in the bank to pay them. Yeah. And it's just, well, you, you've just got to wait. You know, it, it literally is, well, you wait or you can start a legal process to get the money from us and that will send us bankrupt.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so yeah, I mean the the mental toll over three years was quite high. Mm-hmm. Um there were sleepless nights. There were, you know, nights where you'd get up at one, two o'clock in the morning and just pacing around the house for hours because you you don't know what to do.
1: Yeah.
0: You don't know how to get yourself out of it. And it's a situation that I think not that many people have got into.
1: Yeah.
0: So people, you know, it's probably a difficult one but I think a lot of people if you didn't have another business if you didn't have something else that was generating money people would have been bankrupt a lot earlier and wouldn't have pushed it through to the to the end.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, and this is the this is why it's important to share this kind of stuff I think because yeah. you know you were in a really difficult position let's let, let yeah. you know let's be honest and and you you made it through with resilience with the, you know with yeah. work, you, you, your mindset your approach to it and just kind of managing to navigate through that and you got yeah. a great result in the end but by god you paid a price didn't you along yeah. the way Absolutely. as well yeah. um, so not everything is easy and when people look at your success they won't necessarily know um yeah. the challenges along the way and that's yeah. why I think it's really important because this this podcast, Brave, Bold, Brilliant, is all about, you know, pushing through those yeah. difficult times. Yeah. And how do you actually find the strength and the courage? Yeah. What, what were the things that, that sort of, when you look back at that time, Adam, what are the things that, that really carried you through, do you think?
0: Um, I think knowing that the project was still viable and it yeah. was the right thing to be doing with it. Um, we had assessed all the options, but that was, you know, that was just, it's got to be this Mm. Um, and then outside of that, you know, it's support from family, friends uh, and those closest to you. I mean, probably half our friends don't know the full impact of what happened with it because it's not something that a lot of people would understand. Um, you know and probably looking back just looking at Chris shaking his head at me going what the bloody hell have you done now <laughs> um, but yeah it's just you know it, it was very much you've just got to get your head down and get on with it
1: mm, and yeah
0: get it to a point where you can do something with it
1: yeah did you learn anything about yourself through that process
0: yeah I think I think although I think I can deal with extremely high-end, stressful situations. I think I am better than a lot of people than, at doing it. Yeah. But I think I found my limits. Yeah. Um, You know, mentally, like I say, it was draining. I put on a load of weight. I was tired a lot because you're not sleeping properly. So you're pushing, you're really pushing yourself to the extremes as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think just mental resiliency comes, is the thing that I grew the most through it because mm. you do almost have to become... Align to what's going on in some ways and go, I need to just ignore that for a couple of weeks and it will sort itself out. Yeah. Instead of trying to be too far in the moment as well.
1: Yeah. And you make a really, really um, important point, because I think very often when we're in really stressful situations, whether it's a job or a business or personal stuff going on the first thing to often go is our own self-care you know yeah. it's around our, our, our mental well-being our physical well-being yeah. we eat crap we put weight on we're not exercising you know and all of that good stuff and actually that's the time when you need to be in the yeah. better condition not worse but ironically that often is the bit that gets compromised yeah. isn't it yeah
0: definitely
1: yeah so so what what, what do you I mean I know you're really into your fitness and of course you you live, yeah. you live with a PT <laughs> yeah. right so I guess it'd be a bit of a false show if you were yeah. but but nonetheless what 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 do you do differently? What sort of part of your normal kind of keeping yourself in tip top shape now, having been through all of that, yeah. and still having a big you know portfolio of businesses to run now today? What do you do that keeps you keeps you on in top shape?
0: Yeah, so it largely comes back to time and making sure you time box your exercise so that you force yourself to go and do it. You know, when we were talking to Chris earlier, it's about whether you don't want to do it or not. You're not feeling up to it. You've still got to go and do it. So I still do have a PT session once a week. I go to CrossFit twice a week and then I tend to run quite a lot. So Mm -hmm. I find running very therapeutic. Um, I've done a couple of big marathons and I'm training for London again this year for the marathon. Um, so it's just getting out and getting that fresh air, getting time on your feet and yeah. just you learn to listen to your body and what's going on. And I tend to find if I go at lunch times for a run that's about an hour. Um, I find it very therapeutic and I can work through everything that's gone on in the morning. If we're having difficulties, if we're having challenges and you come back to the afternoon really refreshed and ready to go and you don't get those afternoon slumps. Mm. And I find it, you know, I either exercise first thing or at lunchtime and that keeps you going all day. Mm. Um, you know, it is it is that real mental clarity that you get from from doing the exercise. Yeah,
1: 100 percent. I, I am so with you, honestly, because for me, if I'm not training, um, i really feel it and and obviously there's a physical benefit you yeah. know and, and quite frankly i like to eat and drink right yeah, so exactly. you know and have got it's like a bank account right you got yeah, you, yeah. Can't, like, you got it you got to put something back into the into the account yeah. you can't always be making the withdrawal but yeah i mean obviously there's a physical benefit but mentally um if i've not exercised yeah. i just don't feel on my game
0: yeah absolutely I genuinely
1: do not and and so a lot of it is psychological but i think that discipline you're right it's really good advice and and i guess the other thing is find your own own flow. Yeah. Find the time of day that works for you Absolutely. or the day of the week that works for you. Even if you're only training once a week, do something, get moving, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I did a bit, just a slight aside, I did um, a yoga session yesterday. I was at my mum's in Manchester. Yeah. So I was. Uh, I, I couldn't get it to the gym. So I thought, well, I'll do a yoga session. And after my knee up, I'm trying to get back into my yoga. Yeah. And um, anyway, I was doing the session and the guy there said he follows this MMP okay. um, plan. So I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." So he was doing the yeah. yoga and he's sort of talking a little bit like, "Oh, have you? Have you? and um and anyway, he was talking. The M, the first M is movement. Yeah, get your ass moving. Yeah. Second M was for him meditation. Yeah. And then the third one was P was for the plan. And yeah. I thought, well, that's quite good, actually. Yeah, have a plan, take the action, you know, but but get moving, yeah. meditate, work on your mindset or whatever, and then actually have a plan and take the action. And I thought, well, that's quite good. I'm going to nick that. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> no, I think that's brilliant advice. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, when you look back over all this time, yeah. and it's a big year for you guys this year, because there's a lot going on. Big, yeah. Big birthdays. Yeah.
0: Birthdays, <laughs> weddings. Weddings, <laughs>
1: everything. Yeah. You're so greedy all in one oh, year. I know. I know. <laughs> it's all about you, isn't it? Well, I told
0: Chris I had to get married before I was 40. <laughs> so we are getting married this year and then I'm turning 40. Woo, you see, <laughs> so, yeah. you
1: set yourself a goal and you're going for it. No, yeah. That's fantastic. So but you, when you look back, because I'm sure you've had loads of good advice, bad advice over the years, can you think of any advice that's just really sort of stayed with you or has held you in a good position over the years that's, that you've received from someone?
0: Yeah, I think it, it will always come back to the diarization stuff that Rob taught me. Um, yeah. I think that has been the single most beneficial thing I've done. Um, because again, before you're just sort of slightly chaotic, you, you might have a to-do list. Mm. but you might not do it in a set order or you might not do it at the right time of day and like you were just saying about finding your own flow that goes with the diarization it's like if you know you're not great in the morning it doesn't matter as long as you block the time at the end of the day when you yeah. are good to do what you need to do you just need to work out how that works and just organize everything yeah that's yeah. the best advice i think anybody could go with
1: and it's so simple
0: yeah yeah it is like any everybody's got a smartphone these days you can literally organize your life in 10 minutes put your fitness sessions in at the same time every week just set it up as a reoccurring appointment so every week week in week out you know what you're doing on what day And you just go with it.
1: Yeah, no, it's setting those guardrails, isn't it? Parameters and structure. Love it. So you're a man after a (laughs) mile. And can you think of any advice that you took that didn't work out so well and you regretted or that was so bad that you ignored and you were very glad you had ignored it?
0: I I think probably (laughs) a slightly comical piece of advice that was bad, um, and I did ignore it in the end, was the planning advisor told me not to go and read the comments that the public had submitted around the planning application for the care home and I did take his advice to start with um, but then after a few weeks and once I'd really got my head back in the right space I sat down and read them and I was horrified at what these people were saying and they you know they were using it as a personal attack against me Mm -hmm. so I was really glad I heeded it to start with because actually I probably mentally would have just completely lost it at that point but I'm then glad I sort of reversed that, ignored it and went to read them at the end.
1: Oh, God. That's what you're calling travel, a bog-off, a buy one, get one free. We've got two sides to that, though. That is great, actually. And you're right, because... Sometimes you can read things or get feedback from people, and, and it can really throw you off yeah, track. And maybe absolutely. if you'd read it timing wise, if you'd read it too soon, that, that could have really added a, a negative. But then, actually, I suppose reading it with a slightly more perspective around it probably yeah. gave you the fuel that you needed to push on to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, absolutely. yeah, timing's important, isn't it? So, yeah. Alan, before I get to my last question, what's next for Alan and Chris?
0: Yeah. So property-wise, we've obviously got 15 new builds in process at the moment. So hopefully they'll be done and sold this year. Um, Obviously, for me and Chris directly, we're getting married. Uh, We're both looking at life in different perspective, I think, at the moment. And I very much, you know, when I have an in-corporate career as such... I was very much like, I need to get to the top of my game. I need to get to the top of my game. But I couldn't see that happening until I was like mid 40s to 50s. When I introduced the property side, um, I then realized we could, like, I didn't need to get to the top of my game. We could start stepping back and living a much better happier life mm. because we didn't need to put so much in to get there if that makes sense so yeah. for me this is all about really redefining my own boundaries and starting to take that step back towards something that would probably look like a semi-retirement yeah um you know when chris is obviously there and along for the journey and probably buy a camper van later this year and go (laughs) driving around the country and do something completely nuts. But yeah, yeah, it should be interesting.
1: Excellent. You're in a really good place, aren't you? Yeah.
0: It's taken a long time. Um, And I think that's, you know, the best advice for anybody is it will get better. And as long as you know what your end goal is, and that end goal will change over time. Mm. But as long as you still know what that is day in, day out, you'll get through the tough times.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Where can people um, hook up with you then? Where can they find you, Alan?
0: Yeah, so I'm on all the usual social media platforms. Um, so Facebook, Instagram. Instagram is Alan H1, N one uh, LinkedIn Uh, Go and find me on there. Not really into TikTok and Twitter, so you won't find me on there. Um, Or yeah, if people look at the website, my email address is on there.
1: Brilliant. But we haven't actually spoke about one other important thing, which I do want to mention as well before we close, which is your podcast. Yeah. Because you've got new podcast coming out. You're in the process of doing the recordings for that and and everything, which is really exciting. So talk about that a little bit, because I think it's important that people will also be able to find you there, won't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully in the next few weeks, more than just. Property will come out. Um, So thank you to your Chris for coming up with the name for us. Um, But yeah, I wanted to start having. For me, it's a learning exercise more than anything. And having these conversations with people, you always learn something. So even if I can go into these podcasts and walk out with one nugget for myself. I know I'm improving myself and doing better, mm. but then like you and like sitting here, it's like, well, why not record this conversation yeah. and let everybody listen to it? And so uh, what do you wanna talk about more than just property? Cause I think although property should be a foundation for everybody that's got a business or that wants to improve their life, it can help, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes with that that people need to understand um, as well. And it comes back to little things like, I'd just like to start, get- getting people a good financial education. Mm. And I think if people were taught, you know, basics of how to use Excel to monitor your income and your outgoings, people will be in a much better place than they are. Mm. So it's just things like that and having conversations with, you know, people like yourself around what you think will help.
1: Yeah, really. yeah. No, it's so exciting. It's gonna be it's gonna be a brilliant podcast. It really yeah. is. And what I love about it is you're absolutely right. You know, yes, property can be at the core of anyone's, you know, lifestyle or business yeah. or whatever, but it is more than property, and you are more than just property yeah. as well, you know. Yeah. So it's a great reflection on you as a as a business leader, as as yeah. an entrepreneur, and it also has that really nice angle as well around what how do you interpret that, you know, yeah. for, for your guests as, as well and the content that you do. So it's gonna be really exciting. Yeah. Do you have an A launch date yet Alan or is it Uh, it will be out in April April yeah so the actual date
0: will be uh, to to be defined
1: excellent be around Easter it's going to be our Easter bunny
0: just before before my wedding
1: (laughs) oh well you've got to get it done before the wedding exactly Exactly. oh no it's really exciting so my so massive congratulations on that thank you so really cool Uh, my last question so this podcast is called Brave Bold Brilliant yeah which obviously you are (laughs) thank Uh, (laughs) you what does it mean to you though Alan um I think
0: it's just, you know, the underpinning of everything you do. You have to be brave to take decisions, to to work through challenges, you know, to really be at the top of your game. You have to be bold. You have to stand out. You have to be doing something fairly exceptional. And that that leads you, you know, just into being brilliant at what you do. And the three should just be everybody's motto to get up every day, get on with what they're doing and, you know, play it back to themselves at the end of the day. Celebrate your success know that you're being brave, bold, brilliant all the time yeah. um, and that they're changing their lives every day.
1: Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you, Alan. I've thank loved you very much. chatting with you. It's been thank wonderful. you for having me. <laughs> you're very welcome. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.